Everyone is asking who is the ultimate green goblin? Well, me, I want to know who the ultimate shocker is. No, I'm not. I'm not. Whoa. I want to know who the ultimate shocker is. Because what? The ultimate shocker. Oh. Tyler got Stop. it. There you go. <laughs> um <laughs> Welcome to Pals Pulls. This is a show where the four of us jokers are going to talk about five or more this week uh comics. So we've got Kale. What's up, hot dogs? Marco. Not a goblin, but a gremlin. Tyler. Uh, I just finished running, so I'm the one in the stink right now. <laughs> and I'm Sean. We are happy to be here despite Tyler's stink. Thank goodness for, you know, the internet and distance. Uh, and also, thank goodness for the fact that the internet allows us to connect with you all, the listener. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for listening. We've got, uh, what are we doing? Six books today. Six. How many? Six books. We've got Ultimate Spider-Man number two. We've got Rise of the Powers of X, Powers of Ten, number two. The Incredible Hulk, number nine. Batman, 144. Wonder Woman, number six. And the Six Fingers, number one. Whoa. So You plan that? Huh? You plan that? No. Oh. I didn't I didn't tell DC that they should release the sixth issue of Wonder Woman on February twenty second, twenty twenty four to coincide with the six fingers number one. No, I did not do that. Okay. Uh, it, it seems like a Sean move, I have to say. I, that's why I felt a little like like, you know, planned out, just kind of, he was gonna swerve us at some point. Mm. I am strategic. I, I do like to strategize, but uh that deep I don't work. Mm. Let's get right into our first book since it is a bit of a big week. It's Ultimate Spider-Man number two, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Marco Cicchetto, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by Corey Pettit. The first page gives us the answer that everybody wanted, the first big question that everybody had, which was, uh, what's the costume deal? Well, you know, some of us knew based on, you know, previews and things like that, that Spider-Man's costume was indeed a black one, but not the black suit, not the symbiote, not anything like that. It's a, it doesn't even have a spider symbol on it. Is it a symbiote, though? Because he can I think change it at I think will. I think it's more like the... Um... The spiders that come out of the out of the watch in uh uh not ultimate spider spider-man unlimited the cartoon i think it's technology yeah it's tech-based okay got it that would make sense because tony would have given him that power right okay right. so yeah sure okay yeah. um so we get that answer right up front which i like i like that there's no more mystery about that and uh, you know this is a this is a series that's that's intent on moving at the pace that Jonathan Hickman wants it to move at. You know he spends time with the family, establishing a little bit more of the relationship with these characters. Uh, we get more time with Ben and Jay and J. Jonah Jameson. You know Peter's first night, first couple of nights out as Spider Man, his first encounter with a villain. You know in this case the Shocker. And we learn a little bit more about Kingpin and his role in the grand scheme of, 
you know, this world domination bit that the maker has with the leaders of the different nations. Um, and we do get literally one panel of the new Green Goblin. And that's the issue. Um, speaking of the issue, book of the week? Pick of the week? Um, uh, uh. no. Oh. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so, but it's because there's one book here that I think I might have enjoyed a little bit more. But this was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think to everything mm-hmm. you just said, Sean, like from a pacing standpoint, this delivers in, in nice doses everything that I need to understand to have the story continue. A few pages, you know, four, I think I counted four pages to five pages per scene. And that felt like a good amount of time, a good enough amount of time to be able to get uh, some conversations going, have it be a little, you know, detailed and nuanced there. Um, And for me, the opening and closing of the costume was really cute. It opens with the answer to the, to um, what we were getting from last issue, like you mentioned, but then also the closing in our colors, our our classic colors of the costume. Um, So I thought that this issue tied everything from the previous issue together with this issue and now foreshadow some of the stuff that's coming in the next issue. Uh, so I had a lot of fun with that and uh, all of the art, I think, crushed. I I really like this issue. Um, it's Hickman and Chichetto, so you're kind, of, you, you kind of getting that in this, and I mean that in a, in a positive way. Um, I'm still not fully sold on this being a brand new status quo for Peter Parker that we're, we've been, you know, gunning for for years in a way. Um, it doesn't feel totally different yet. Like, I was half expecting Peter to have trip uh, issues, you know, with his back in the suit, you know. Like, maybe I wanted, like, an old Peter. He kind of gets it in this issue pretty quickly. Um, even, like, the original Ultimate Spider-Man, at least learning the power set took a little longer. Um, so I think it's... I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's bad. I just don't see it being a totally different feeling thing that I was expecting. I can see that. I can see that. Um, I think that Hickman is going to have to explain to us why it's worth Peter sacrifice or, or putting his life at risk while he is a father to children that definitely need his presence. Uh, to be to be Spider-Man. You know, he talks in this issue Peter does about the idea that he's lost some something was taken from him that he didn't even know necessarily was missing and now he's asking himself the question of is it my responsibility to now live this to live this life that I that was supposed to be mine. And I guess that's compelling, but he hasn't quite yet stopped to say, and I get, you know, there there just hasn't been time, but he hasn't stopped to say, is it worth me doing this thing that I don't even know I need to do and risk my life, risk my children, risk my wife, risk all these things? Is it worth it? He's got to deal with that. We haven't seen him come up against a real risk yet, though. You know, like he 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 figures out he can take a hit. Um, but same as any other shocker, it's no big deal. You know, so I, I think once we 
start getting real villains in the mix, I think that's when we'll see the um the real uh you know adult questioning. You know, he's just in the in the fun of it right now, you know. Which I think is a good point and it in some way mirrors you know 616 Peter in the sense that when he first gets his powers he's like yo this shit is amazing like what 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 can I not do testing the limits of what he's capable of and everything like that and it's not until his uncle dies that he realizes oh I I'm supposed to use this for the good of others. I I could have stopped that. I could have saved him. So maybe here it's kind of like, hey, this is amazing. I feel better than ever. I look better than ever. I've got powers now. Why not? And then something occurs. Maybe it is Uncle Ben dying again. Maybe it's something that is new, that is that switch up that creates the catalyst for him to need to be Spider-Man. Dan in the chat brings up a good a good point here. It's the the idea of unrealized ambition versus responsibility to family that's sort of being tackled, you know, somewhat in this. Uh, for me, it's just I don't I don't have that like like you said, John. I don't have that inciting incident yet that's really driving the plot forward for me. Um, but neither does Peter. Sure, and I think that's where it's just like uh, I know it's only issue two, so that's why I'm giving it giving yeah. it some leeway. But it's still there, there's nothing really there for me yet. The meat's not quite there. And I think I think a lot of times maybe that would bother me. I just feel like this is so freaking good. Um, I'm I'm blown away by the art. Like Chiquetto, if you asked me ten years ago, who's in your top five, his name would have been in it. And for it to be, and it would have been for years. years and, yeah, and to be here and to see this, how good this is, this far down the road, it's like my man, yo, you're on another level. Um, and honestly, I'm having more fun with this than I am anything Hickman has done since House and Powers. This is so freaking good. And, you know, the last page, Marco mentioned it, the inspiration for how Peter is going to sort of get to the design of Spider-Man, you know, it's those small moments. Yep. Everything is working. It's just so good. Undeniable. And I, I think that's what is setting this apart from God's and even Hickman's X-Men post Hoxpox is just like it's it's so focused mm-hmm. that it it feels natural and it feels like a good story where you can live in it for a second you know where where peter has the the conversation with the shocker where he's like you know listen clearly you're just a guy who you know needs help and i'm the kind of guy that'll stop you and you know and and he falls for it like that's a good moment yeah i also think it's worth pointing out that that moment kind of implies well i think this issue implies Peter does not have spider sense yet. Right? If presumably, at all, if he'll ever have it. Yeah, presumably. He just gets yeah, blasted yeah. more yeah. than once by surprise. That's a good point. Um No, we addressed it. No. Good stuff. I think it's funny that um Mary Jane asks if she, he's been working out. Like Peter wasn't already a fucking Marco Cicchetto drawing in the yeah. first issue. Like, 
Even Kingpin in this just looks ripped still. Like, I don't think Shadow can draw ugly people. Speaking of Kingpin, um, so I think this issue confirms, I guess it's it's Kingpin adjacent, but it confirms the theory from last time. I think it was Tyler who posited that that's Bullseye, his companion guy with the eye patch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's because be. the Captain, I think that's Captain Britain, right? That's speaking with him says uh, they're having a conversation essentially about the fact that Kingpin serves a greater master and he needs to use the resources that he has to eliminate his problems, which right now are the Green Goblin and potentially Spider-Man. And he when he says use the resources you've been given, he points at Bullseye or the character we believe to be Bullseye. And I feel like this is confirmation of that. Yeah, it just, it just smells like the bullseye roll, and it looks like Colin Farrell from the movie. So, all in all, I I give this issue a huge thumbs up. This was great. Easy yeah, pull. Oh. Yeah, great, great place to jump on a cool modern yeah. Spider-Man book. By all accounts, issue two is uh, actually uh, purchasable in most places. So, yes, that's good. <laughs> oh, they kept it on the truck. <laughs> <laughs> this time they did. Uh, do you guys want to take a second to speculate about who the Green Goblin is? I'm on the Harry train. It makes sense. We haven't met anybody else yet, so. I'm just going to say MJ. Ooh, I was going to say Gwen Stacy. Do I have a... <laughs> All right, mine was crazy, and then Marcos was like, all right, I can, I can be crazy here. <laughs> Like, even Aunt May makes more sense than Gwen Stacy. We, we at well, least have evidence of Aunt May. Listen, if you want to go down a, a conspiracy theory rabbit hole, I am literally always game for it. So, Mary Jane has a green... Look at that green right there. When she's putting on her jacket, all that green. I'm just saying, could be. Could, could, be, could be. Maybe. That's signature. No, Gwen is... Said that. That's... Gwen's coat is green. Right. And her color. Ooh. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying she has to just leave during the day. And what happens during the day, too? Kingpin gets attacked. Yeah. Could be. Do I believe in this theory? Hell no. But I thought. No, not at all. Let's, <laughs> let's just shit. Let's just bullshit about it for three seconds. Uh, <laughs> Uncaged says Team Gwen. <laughs> let's go. Uh, Inquisitor Drake says, I think JJ dying is going to be the catalyst. Ben fills the Jameson role in this universe. I, I was thinking about that. Like, what, what would be the inciting incident to your point, Kale, to get him to wake up and be like, hold on a second, there's consequences to this? I was thinking it's one of the kids. The, the, it's been revealed, the, the identity there. That might be like a really torturous way to do so. Maybe not like the child gets killed, but kidnapped you know the the child's life is put at risk like a dark knight with uh, gordon's kid sure yeah yeah okay. i can see kidnapped yeah i could see that yeah jameson doesn't it doesn't feel like like would that would that i just don't know how impactful that is i think narratively well, too jameson is the only comedy character in this book I think in, in this world, that would be really impactful because he very clearly looks up to Jameson as a, a you know, a, a, a journalism um, father figure. 
Whereas he, it seems like he has a bit more of a strained relationship with Ben. Not that it's bad by any means, but it's, you know, there is some distance there probably because of May's disappearance. Whereas it seems like Jameson has uh, taken him on and under his wing a little bit more. Well, according to Manny in the chat, the identity of Green Goblin is obvious. So why don't you? I swear, if Manny's Manny's going to say Paul, he's going to say Paul. Come on, Hotshot. Why don't you share? Yeah, share that with us now. Amin says, "What if Hickman pulls a one more day and it's MJ?" That's funny because that phrase "one more day" is actually used in this issue. Oh, oh, Uh, yes, I think it's on the last page. Um, I I thought it was so funny. Hickman is so such a cheeky writer. Well, and it's in re- it's in reference to the red and blue costume, and also, uh, little May Parker. Is that her name? May? Yeah. Am I crazy? Yeah, it is. It yeah. is May. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. May and Richard. Yeah. What's and I'm pretty sure that's the name of of their kid in uh in one in uh, one more day, isn't it? May. May Parker. I don't recall. May Mayday, I think. Yeah, well, mate, that's, mate, yeah, yeah so but that's yeah. isn't that that's uh, Spider Girl? But I, I feel like when Peter and MJ's daughter is always May, no matter what iteration it is, it always right. winds up yeah. being May. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Manny thinks it's pretty obvious that it's Harry. Well, no. you show. Listen, you show up fifteen minutes late. We've already talked about that. <laughs> like, that's you're not scolding the listener. Ned, who's Ned Leeds? Ned Leeds. Why? I mean, that would be that. Is that interesting if it's Ned Leeds? Especially when we don't know Ned Leeds here. We barely know him in the main universe. I think think Manny's right in this in so much that uh, uh, Harry is the obvious pick. He got introduced in the first issue and he was kind of a weirdo. Uh, And then right after that, we go right to Green Goblin. But I think it's so obvious it's not the pick. I think it's Harry. I'm just saying, like, like, you know, yeah, right, of course. But the point of the conversation was, like, do we have, you know, like, who do we, you know, <laughs> who is it? I don't know. Like, like, yeah, he's obviously right. We're just hoping for something better. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's Uncle Ben? No, he can't fit oh, in that suit. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just had to wear like a, a compression suit or something. Uh. Yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man's great. It's great. I can't wait to see what this is looking like in 20 issues. And I hope Hickman sticks around. I hope he's got the run in him. I really do. (laughs) Marco saying no. I don't think I care about it in 20 issues either. Oh, no, I'm going to care about it. But I don't know that he has it in him to stick around that long. He's going to pass it up. I feel like he's too architect, too much architect. It's like you lay the foundation, go do this other thing. Yeah, because yeah, that really worked out with the X Men. <laughs> They're learning from their mistakes, Tyler. So this Saturday we've got uh, we've got a very special guest joining the show live Saturday ten fifteen a.m. Eastern when we do our normal show. You guys know the main show. We'll be joined by Sal from Comic Pop. He's Ooh. gonna come on. I'm sure most of you who listen to us probably listen to comic pop you're probably familiar with that channel even if you're not an active listener 
Uh, he's going to come hang out with us for the show, and we're going to talk about the state of comics YouTube. We're going to talk about you know the comics that he's really into right now. Just get into a whole bunch of sticky issues. So I'm looking forward to it. It's been a while since we had Sal on the show. Most of you probably weren't even listeners the last time we had Sal on the show. So this should be a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys come hang out with us. And then we're also, it's a double a double dip of goodness because we're doing the Gavin Didgery giveaway, the Triple G. Ooh, we got Gavin's, the Triple G. Yes, Gavin's going to be giving away a, a sketch card. Um, and uh, we're going to connect you with him to get that in your hands if you are the one lucky winner of the giveaway. Huge shout out to Gavin for agreeing to do that. And also I want to shout out his book, Superman 78, which he is the artist on and he is absolutely killing it. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Hang out with us for that. Of course, join us next Thursday at 6 p.m. for Pals Pulls. The listener pick poll is currently up. And uh, we've got some good we've got some good options on tap as usual this week. It's two Marvel books and two indie books. Ooh. So, yeah, we've got Rare Flavors number four, What If Venom number one, Duke number three, and Avengers Twilight number three. Uh, <laughs> it's still early with three votes, but I'm very happy in that uh, Rare Flavors is ahead. Uh... <laughs> What if Venom, written by Jeremy Holt? Yes, yeah, friend of friend Whoa. of ours. Their, yeah. their first Jeremy Marvel Holt. work, I believe. Yeah, yeah, not their first Marvel work, but their first Marvel like book. Book, yeah, yeah, proper book. Oh, because they were a part of the AIP. The, yes, yeah, yeah, AAPI the the anthology book. Marvel voices. Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. Yep. Uh, so get your vote on at youtube.com slash the comics pals under the community tab vote your heart everybody always says they want indie books to win the poll in order for that to happen you cannot vote for avengers twilight i voted for avengers twilight but if you don't want that to win you've got to vote for indie books to get some of that spotlight on the show uh Quick shout out to Patreon, patreon.com slash the comics pals and all of our supporters over there. Really appreciate you guys. We'll be having a hangout for our patrons this Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Come talk about comics with your pals. If you want to have actual time with us uh, on the Discord to talk, you can use your voice, voice chat. Um, it's fun every single month. So join us over there and get involved. And of course, I want to shout out our YouTube channel members. Thank you all so much. Hope you're enjoying your exclusive uh, early access videos, your emojis in the chat, and more to come. Thank you all for the support. Let's keep the comics reviews going. We've got Rise of the Powers of Ten, number two. This is written by Kieran Gillen with art by R.B. Silva, colors by David Curiel, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Man, uh, a lot happened in this issue, I guess. Um, that's a perfect way of describing it. Because <laughs> as soon as you said, I, as soon as you said, a lot happened in this issue. I went, really? <laughs> Sean always says that, and he goes, uh, but I don't know what it is. Well, you know, look, I think that's apropos for the X books, at least some of them these days. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, I feel like I always knew what was happening when Jonathan Hickman was writing the X-Men books. 
unless not knowing was a part of it, in which case I was cool with that. But I'll put that aside. Here, uh, it's just the mutants continuing their mission. They're trying to go and stop Moira. They're trying to stop Moira at an earlier point in time. Stopping Moira at this point is the only way to prevent the Dominion, the Sinister Dominion, from ever, you know, going online. This is like trying to stop Skynet. You stop it, and then there's it. It, it, it manifests in another way. They're trying to get to the source. And, and like Skynet, uh, the way to stop it is time travel and killing a child. So, yes, yeah, absolutely, yes. And this issue was just really dealing with that idea. So I guess maybe really a lot didn't happen. Um, I look. I'm not gonna lie. I'm 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 frustrated. I'm I'm I find myself frustrated. Um, you know, I really like uh Rasputin and I enjoy her scenes and mm. she's very badass and kick ass, you know. I referenced Terminator earlier, she's a Terminator. This issue makes me feel like she's not gonna survive this. I think she's gonna die now. I didn't think that before, but I think it now. In the, she's, the she's new being X Men future. Yeah, she's being set up as like a, a savior in this in this book, mm. which is a bummer too. Because like I kind of want to see her teaching a a class at a mutant school, you know. Kind of cool. I think she's badass. I I'll start off with the good things. Um, RB Silva is still amazing. I think RB Silva is one of the one of the best out there right now, especially for superhero books. And I think. Just art style wise, having him be on this finale sort of ish, uh, series is a good thing for Kokoa. Um, I don't think this stuff is as good as House and Powers. Um, I still can't get over Bearded Xavier. I don't know what it is about it. <laughs> it just throws me off every time I see him. Is it because the color of his beard changes every? That could issue? be it. I, I did, so that's what I was going to get to. I felt the colors were a little weird. Um, really? it's not a, he was colored by Marte Gracia on House and Powers, right? And this is Curiel coloring him on this. Um, and I feel like the colors are a little inconsistent, um, from, whereas I feel like Marte Gracia can, can really work with like lighting, changing the colors and changing the shadings of things. I feel like everything kind of stays the same color in this and, and it's weird. Um, and I don't think it works too well with Silva. Um, but like the story, man, I, I'm so checked out. Like, I think this is, it's written better than uh, the other book that's in this thing. What's, what's the other one called? Like, I can't even remember it. Fall of the House. Fall yeah. of the House, yeah. Like, I think this is, this feels like it's at least written well. It's just a story itself. It's like, I just don't care. I don't care about this enigma that is uh, this hive mind of sinisters together. Um, I like how this book even introduces the Dead X-Men team, which we already had in Dead X-Men number one, and pretty much explains how they're just plan B and doesn't really matter. Um, so it writes nice. off that book. <laughs> right. So this this book felt like it was in between several different books, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like it, Like we maybe should have read this before Dead X-Men, yeah. maybe? Yeah. But even then, it does not explain how the Dead X-Men come back. Yeah. And and it even says Dead as shown in Dead X-Men 1 and 2 at some point. Like they didn't show shit in that book. <laughs> and and Dead X-Men 2 isn't even out yet. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know, I, I <laughs> like, I'm, I'm very sure like, look, this is actually a solid, it's a, it's a solid issue. Like it's not Karen Gillen does a fine job. I really don't have any problems with, you know, what Gillen does here for the most part. Like the idea that the idea that hope is able to manifest a gun out of particles from the air or whatever was ridiculous to me. Um, but you know, whatever, that's a Gillenism. I'm just good. I think connecting that to cable though makes a lot of sense. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm just generally like at the point, and maybe it's not even good review material, but I'm just at the point where I'm ready for this to end. And everything that happens that's not that just adds more questions that I'm not necessarily interested in. Like now in this issue, it's revealed that Moira and uh and uh, nimrod are gonna partner up and it's like okay nice was that nimrod was that, that not was, nimrod i thought it was uh the sinister thing oh i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah you're right you're you're right she turns away from nimrod and yeah. then she sees the sinister thing and they're and they're partnering up yeah and okay. it's like okay why why well everybody I guess... else is <laughs> can't beat him right join him yeah, this isn't this isn't what I what I thought we'd be looking at here at the end. I I at the very least I think outside of story man the I I've kind of felt differently about the the art like I I don't I'm no longer understanding and tracking on the uh like where this nets out to. I think the the biggest frustration came with that uh the the one of the was it the the legend pages, the infographics, the infographics, they're illegible like, in this book. <laughs> I, I had no idea what I was supposed to read with that, like how the timeline was supposed to work. And then at some point it said the 37 other lives of Moira's whatever uh, specimens. And so once that hit and I'm like, okay, hold on a second. I'm supposed to have reference for all of these things. I'm supposed to have an understanding of how these things piece together. And I don't I have a loose memory of, oh yeah, that was a thing that happened, but not how it then ties back to this. And that feels a little disappointing because I already feel like I'm scattered. And if I'm feeling scattered and you're trying to give me an infographic to consolidate these things, you're, you've, you've lost the readership. I found the uh, serial killer codex and the six fingers to be more uh, understandable than these infographics in this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's 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 you know, it's going out with a whimper, and that's unfortunate. I I didn't I didn't hate this issue. I just you know the trappings of Moira, sinister, even Nimrod to a degree at this point are just really like worn thin, and no one, absolutely nobody, is doing anything cool, except for Rasputin, occasionally tearing some some shit up. But outside of that, everybody's doing something that they've been doing that's not interesting and borderline doesn't make sense. And that's my struggle. So I am really checked out and I'm saying, even though this issue is not bad, it's passable. I'm going to pass on it. I'll show you something cool, Rashawn. Can, can you can you open up uh, the right after the title page? Flip two pages. Got some Asuka-ass Neon Genesis Evangelion ass shot. An ass shot? There's an ass shot in this? 
Oh, 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 I'm not going to. Why would I? I'm not going to show that. Off. That's just... It's the, uh, yeah, the Rachel suit. Well, it was mostly because it, it, it looks like a direct astro- reference to neon, neon Genesis. Yeah, I, I get it. I hear you. The um, They're double shipping this in May, I think, too, right? Aren't they like ending Good. all the X-Men stuff in, in May? Good. Yeah. <laughs> like they're double shipping a couple of X-Men books in May to end everything. So I think our relaunch might be in June at this it's point. It's July. But all the books already... are coming to an end, in uh, so maybe they'll have a month off. I don't know. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I would like a month off. <laughs> that's yeah. my that's our birthday gift, Sean. <laughs> Can I posit a question that you know it might be worth the listeners hearing? I'm not saying we have to act on it. Is this worth seeing through at this point? I am I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with that, actually, as I read this. Because I, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I've been checked out. I, I've been checked out a long time, and I didn't think I could be more checked out. Here I am. I and think it, you know, we've been criticized often about, like, kind of saying the same thing over and over again. And it's. And I, I'm not necessarily saying that we're doing that because each book, as samey as they are, they do that like they are different enough. But like it's all coming to the same endpoint that none of us care about. I think the more exciting books right now in the X Online are the stuff like um, Wolverine, that Sabretooth War. It's fun. X-Force is kind of fun right now, even though it is technically still part of Fall of X. Um, so I think there's stuff on the peripherals, but like these main two, it's just they're not they're not jiving for me. Let's put up a poll right now. Do you guys want us to finish out reviewing the X-Books? Yes or no? Do you, do you want us to continue reviewing the X-Men books until the end, or do you want us to take a break until, you know, the relaunch? Philosopher King says, if they stick some kind of landing, it's worth sticking with. If they botch the ending, it's a waste of time. A lot of Boy, I see you. That is quite a gamble. <laughs> and I'm going to be reviewing, I'm going to be reading them either way. I'm not, I don't, th- there's no part of me that wants to stop reading this for the simple fact that I started this five years ago. I'm not yeah. checking out. There's no yeah. way. It's really a question of, do you want to hear what we have to say about this series going forward, or have you had enough? Because, you know. I mean, in two it's... weeks, we're getting the better X-Men book with Ultimate X-Men number one, so. Oh, yeah, dude. See, like, the stuff around, like you like you said, Tyler, the stuff around, but the fall of X stuff, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm putting up the poll right now. Give me one sec. We've already, yeah, we've already got uh, uh, Amin says it's about the journey. Philosopher King piped up again and says uh seems – Seems like the lead up to the end is so bad. It's hard to believe they'll give us a good ending. Maybe jumping off is the best idea. And Uncaged says, I have to keep going. This is my first X-Book run. My shop warned me. So here we are. Your shop, who makes money on them selling these to you, warned you about this. (laughs) On a shop, I like it. Roboters is right. He says, Sean has the entire collection. No way he taps out now. You're absolutely right. In fact, 
uh, I was asked by a listener, uh, Tom Account, to show off my stack of all of my X books from this Krakoan era. And I was starting to kind of like gather some things. And I was like, yo, this is going to be insane. This is going to be ridiculous. If your chair didn't have it back, I could have just said you were sitting on it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, we can't stop then. We got to see that. (laughs) It's going to be crazy. It's absolutely going to be crazy. Ooh, Dan. Dan is a good point. These segments have been instrumental in me not trying out X-Men books again. So it's useful that way. Glad to be of service, Dan. Vengeance says to BH, I've had enough because I've been hearing the same things about Fall of X for weeks now. I I get it. I totally get it. I I and, and I've seen like other reviews that are more uh that are that are happier about what the books are doing than ours, but I don't know. Around these parts, it's just it's not going well. I would love to know what they're seeing that we're not. Well, yeah, I mean, other people are are hotter on Gillen and Duggan, and I'm not yeah. actually. I I loved Marauders. I thought Duggan's Marauders was awesome. Uh, Gillen is someone who I generally enjoy. So for me, this is more of an aberration than a standard. But I don't know. We'll refer back to the poll a little bit later. I want to keep things rolling. Let's talk about the winner of the listener pick poll. To the surprise of nobody, the Incredible Hulk number nine. Written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who we recently had on the show. Go give that a listen if you have not. With guest artist, and they specified that in the credits, which I thought was uh, interesting. Danny Earls. Colors by Matthew Wilson. Letters by Corey Pettit. I literally feel like I just said those names. That's because I did. Um, They're all over the place. Uh, This issue is... It takes... I mean, I wouldn't even say it takes a, a beat. It's following the same story the cool thing about this you know this status quo that philip kennedy johnson has put together is that you know the hulk is being chased by these entities that want him to get into the fold and there's supernatural horror and monsters at every corner so him and charlie stumble upon yet another town that's got some bullshit happening in it and in the midst of that he's dealing with you know this this elder or eldest that's trying to come for him um and and sends you know the form of of betty after him to try to get him to get bruce to give the hulk over to her or or over over to it when i say it i mean this entity um which i think is such an interesting premise right the idea of that bruce has an opportunity and I don't know if this has been done before. He has an opportunity to physically separate himself from the Hulk and let the Hulk be its own thing. And Bruce says, I can't do that. The Hulk is the most dangerous weapon in the world. He's putting it on himself. He's saying, I cannot burden the world with this monster uncaged. I have to be that vessel to contain this beast, no matter how this destroys me. I love that 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 wrinkle on Bruce. Sure, that's happened before. I don't have enough Hulk knowledge to be able to say yes or no. I'm not worth. I'm not well versed enough. But this is the first time that I'm seeing it. 
what I really like about this series so far, and this issue is just another indication of it, is how much it just, the procedural nature of it just works for the Hulk. Like going into this town, another monster to fight. You know, it, it, it maybe tackles a certain part of the Hulk or a certain aspect of the Hulk or his, uh, his partner. Um, and then we have a cool monster fight. Like it, it feels like the, the wandering Hulk from the, the TV show almost in a way. Um, just mixed with like a high horror element to it. Um, I just, it, it's a simple premise and I think, I think it just works really well. There's a lot of monster stuff in the Marvel comics universe that just isn't played around with enough. And this even introduces more stuff from it, from like actual like folklore and stuff. Like the whole, um, the, 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 the story is called um, Frozen Charlotte. And I was like, all right, that can't be, a, 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 there has to be a reason for that. So like I looked up Frozen Charlotte's and it's a whole folklore about these little China dolls that, you know, have that people put in cakes and stuff. It's kind of what a, the, the king cake baby is in a way. Um, but they're these, these unmovable China dolls that some people say have souls in them. So uh, that explains the cliffhanger in this. But I just like how it's just PKJ is just taking like American folklore and adding it to this Hulk walk across the country horror book. Um, and I think, uh, what's his first name, Sean? John Earls, you said? Danny Earls. Danny Earls, not even close. Uh, Danny Earls uh, just fits in well with the the overall vibe of this. I. I think Danny, there were some structural moments that I had issue with. I think his cartooniness and the way he's able to uh, play with the, the the body horror worked well. But there were, even when we were following that couple at the beginning, there was some stuff where the, the head sizes were a little bit off compared to the rest of the body, the angles, like people looked a little stiff. And the arts can be a little bit inflexible sometimes. But I think being that guest artist, I thought, um, it it captured a similar aesthetic to what we've sort of had already. Yeah, I wasn't in love with the with the Earl's art. Um, unfortunately, we came off you know one of the craziest Hulk transformation sequences of all time yeah. here uh, a couple of issues ago, and I feel like you know in this issue the Hulk's transformation is similarly gross but not as impactful um it didn't have the impact that it had on me when i watched what nick klein did um that made me like audibly gasp and i i had to look it over multiple times just because of how impressive it was whereas here it was like you know the hulk the hulk's hand is 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 like threatening to reach out of the body of of, of bruce and he he knocks teeth away and stuff like that and that's pretty nasty but uh i don't know it was more making me ask like logistical questions than anything else i don't know i was overthinking it just because it, it's too drawn out it happens for too long what was yeah, the logistical there is... question <laughs> what what were you like thinking of like the anatomy of it all well, I was like, man, you know, he's knocking those teeth out. Like, is he like he has them right back on the next page? Literally, he gets like he's knocking those teeth away. And then if you look at the next time you see the Hulk, the same or you see Bruce, the same exact teeth that were missing are are now present. So it's like a Dolph Ziggler uh, chiclet spit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but the story, it's oh, sorry, Kale, go for it. It was a cool horror moment, but I can see what you mean. 
especially because like that left arm, you know, starts the transformation at the top of the page. Um, but the right arm seems like it's coming out of his mouth and it's just like, wait, what's, what's going to happen here when the Hulk comes out of his mouth and then he kind of doesn't. Right. Yeah. It was kind of weird to me. Cool Um, horror moment, cool horror visual. Uh, but otherwise though for me this was this was fantastic I think if I had enjoyed the art more this might have been my pick of the week um you know no no disrespect to Danny Earls I know that other people have different tastes than I do but for me this just wasn't um the art that I've been coming to the book for mm. but I'm interested in the story still I like this wrinkle on the Hulk uh, I don't know what the hell is going on with that old with the 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 old woman who was a you know clearly some kind of a monster in her own right. Oh God, I can't wait for issue ten. To be fair, it is hard to follow up Nick Klein, so yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent, totally. And also, like to get more Nick Klein, I will definitely welcome a guest artist, mm-hmm. you know, so he can take his time to do what he needs to do. Agreed. I would love to see like a Stoko on this the series too as like a guest artist, or even like a Sanford Green. I like there's some artists out there that would do some crazy good Hulk horror stuff. Do some Tyler Crook. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or uh uh uh, uh who's the guy that does uh, Ultra Mega? James something. Oh, or oh Heron. Yeah. James Heron. Heron. Yeah. yeah. Pull. Pull. Easy pull. Again, this is also my pick. Also, almost my pick of the week. But I think there's one more that kind of stood out above it. I think this might be the pick of the week for me. Okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, it was my cover of the week. I freaking love this cover that I got here. This this variant. Oh, nice. oh yeah, I pulled that. That's for the slide. Yeah, is that Capullo? Yeah. Uh, is it Capullo? That would be sure sick. Capullo, it is. Yeah. It is. Oh my oh, god, it is. I'm oh, like, oh. damn, this shit is hot. Yeah, this Greg Capullo variant. This is my favorite look for the Hulk. Um, Show it again? Oh, no, yeah, you've got sure. it. Yeah. Full this, square. Yeah, oh, this yeah, is yeah. this is my favorite iteration of the Hulk. It's more like, like more of a classic yeah. design. Big, big eyebrow, forehead, and Caesar haircut. Yeah. I, yeah, I love it. And Capullo, very few better. So, brilliant stuff. Before we move away from the Marvel side of things, why don't we close that poll? And uh, get the results of that. Oh, while you do that, um, I, I found a really interesting um, answer to have the Hulk and Bruce Banner ever separated. Uh, so on Reddit, five years ago, somebody asked this question. And Kyle underscore Dornez says, plenty of times. Last time, Hulk had Dr. Doom cut, his, cut open his skull with adamantium chainsaw without anesthesia to cut out the banner out of his brain and implant him into clone body. If you think it was a horrible idea, don't worry. It was. <laughs> wow. Wow. There you go. We've got the poll results uh, of, do you want the palace to continue to cover the fall of X series? 53% said, keep it going. And 46% said, I sleep. AKA no. Thank you, Marco. Uh, so, you guys here live with us say yes. But if you have a, an opinion on this, let us know. Leave a comment. 
Drop a comment. Talk to us. Let me talk to you about Batman number 144. This is the third part of the Joker year one story that Chip Zdarsky has been telling alongside Giuseppe Camuncoli and Andrea Sorrentino on pencils with inks by Stefano Nessi and Sorrentino. Alejandro Sanchez and Dave Stewart on the colors and Clayton Cowles uh, doing the lettering. Um, I I really want someone else to talk about this. I really do. Well, I mean, I <laughs> there's nobody. This is like a a standoff here. I can, I can. Um, did I you can. recap it, Sean? You what? want me to? Sure. I, 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 yeah, if you can, yeah. All right. So uh, essentially, it follows up between these two. Uh, timelines i guess that we've been seeing the future and the past and you know in the past you have this breakout fight that happens at the police department where the we get the reveal of who the red hood's leadership really is uh and the joker's involvement it's a pretty much a huge fight um which that part i liked um and then to be honest with you, I'm not fully sure what we were supposed to get out of the future part of the book. Yep. So by, by the end of this, I actually kind of enjoyed... I, I can't even the, say I'm 100% sure. Uh-oh. Oh, Kale's lagging behind, it looks like. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so yeah, I wasn't sure. I, I, like, I liked the Cabin Coley end of things. Um, by the end of that that uh, that story, I actually enjoyed what was going on there. Um, I think that again, again with year one stories, uh, it's a lot of Gordon, um, and it felt like a good Gordon story. Um, I don't really think it really answers the Joker year one question. Um, it kind of feels like a weird like it just feels like another Joker heist or not even a heist a, a Joker uh, thing gag a bit. Um, but I like the Gordon aspect of it. I like him kind of closing up the Red Hood gang. But that uh, Sorrentino story was like, what? All of that just to tell us that like the Joker could beat Batman whenever he wants. So the whole idea of this whole three-issue year Joker year one is to just posit the fact that the Joker is better than Batman in the end. I don't know. It just This just reeks of, hey, I have extra stories that were already made. And I need time to catch up on my main story, and I need to fill this in. Dude, last week when we reviewed the second one, I said this felt like a backup that was stretched out and made the main story to give a break to uh, – oh, my God, help me. Uh, main series Jimenez. Thank and, you, and George Jimenez. Yeah. How could I forget that? Jesus Christ. Um and I read this week, I, I can't remember the source, so don't take it as fact, but I read somewhere that this was originally supposed to be a monthly thing to give a break to Jimenez, and DC wanted it done over the course of three weeks instead. Uh, that is allegedly what Chip said on a podcast. I think I read that from our Discord. Nyla said that in the Discord. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So take that with a grain of salt. That's what I that's what one of our listeners said. Um 
it feels like that's true. This ends in a way that's like, whoa, it's very abrupt. What did we even get out of this? Like, like, like I don't feel like Chip puts a point on anything at the end. You know, like, this is what you're supposed to get. If you got nothing else, this is the point. And I'm not sure what that was from either story. I agree with Tyler. If you just look at this in a vacuum as like, hey, look at this from the lens of Jim Gordon. If you focus on that stuff, eh, solid. Like, okay, great. But I don't know what I was supposed to get out of this about the Joker other than the fact that he's better than Batman at making multiple personalities and just at being a beast. Um, and that if he so desires, Batman's dead, but he doesn't because he loves Batman, which is the same Joker Batman beat that we've been getting for decades. And, and outside of the Commissioner McLeod, um, there's no cohesion between the two stories. There's nothing thematically tying the two together. There's a character. But thematically, I don't see anything that ties them together. I, I think the, the thing that was supposed to tie them together was the fact that Joker probably instigated the Red Hood and like all of those things because he always had that power. And that's an example of them playing his game. And now in the future, we're confirming that he has always had that power. It was, has always been able to outwit and outplan and do those things, but it was a weak link. And, um, that felt like me stretching to, to come to that conclusion. And so I didn't like that because I think to Tyler, to Sean's point, there is no like period on what chip's trying to say here. And I would like to add to that by saying, I am tired of the idea that we have to make the villain retro like retroactively better all along than the hero. I don't I don't feel like I need that and it's a consistent thing. Like no, Joker's not better than Batman. And I don't I I personally don't even want to believe the idea that he could kill Batman at any time. That undercuts Batman to me. If he's that vulnerable and it's just the, the grace of Joker or his infatuation and obsession with Batman that allows Batman to continue to live and do this, then that means that Batman is living on Joker's time. Is that really the story we want to tell? And he's always been, apparently. I'm not compelled by that. I didn't like it back during Snyder's run. Oh, I've always known who you've been. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense to me that the Joker has always been able to kill Batman or Bruce, and he just doesn't. I don't believe you. I'm sorry. They've been in situations where Batman clearly could have died if it wasn't for his own wit or skill. But, but I mean, uh, that end posits again that it, he, he was only, he knew that Batman, like we're using that logic, he knew that Batman would then figure out that that would be the only way to be able to break out or solve a situation. Right. The, the same way with the, the, what is it? The lack, the lack sack, the laugh sack. It was, you know, he gave him the, the puzzle and then he gave him the key to solve the answer. And that felt lazy. That felt trying to wrap things up um, in the span, not even in the span of like what a page and a half for apparently saving the world 
So I don't know. Uh, it it was a shame to kind of come to the that realization um, that this story was for that. I think I would have liked the uh, had this not connected to the the larger Sorrentino part, um, and it just been focused on the GCPD. That would have been cool. That that was that'd be a cool arc, like a a cool issue or two, to kind of just like reflect back on some of the 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 crime and corruption that was going on in the the police department but the future pieces i don't know the, it didn't ladder up and honestly i didn't really care much for the sorrentino or either oh. like there's that one there's that one uh panel where it's a gallery of faces like uh, all the police commissioners and stuff and it just looks so referenced um, almost traced in a way. Um, there, there's a, there's one where you can see like a Batman and he's grunting. And I'm like, I've seen that screenshot of, of Batfleck, you know? Um, it didn't seem changed at all from the source material that it was being used in. And we talked last week about the allegations regarding, um, regarding, you know, potential AI usage, and I think all that is cleared up at this point. Sorrentino, you know, well, took to Instagram. I don't think in, re in response, I think this is just what Sorrentino was doing and showing his process, and so that's all good. Mm -hmm. But despite that fact, I mean, I happen to agree as a person who generally enjoys Sorrentino's work, it's it's very bizarre to look at Batfleck in this. Um, and I wasn't in love with Frankly, I just wasn't in love with much of what we got here. But come on, this took place over – this is the book taking place over three freaking weeks. You know, so I wonder what the time constraints were on putting this together even. Um, let me – let me uh, let me – let's hit a couple of comments. Um, Fee Waver said, I take back everything bad I said about this arc, this short arc. I really enjoyed it. I saw a lot of things that paid homage to – both year one and DKR. This is ship standing on the shoulder of giants. Hmm. I would say he's, he's clearly standing on the shoulder of giants. And I don't think that that was, I don't think that that's something to be missed. Right. Cause the, the name is Joker year one. So right there, we're deliberately supposed to think about, you know, Batman year one. Right. Um, but is this, does this earn the, the 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 usage of the of that name and of those references? If you ask me, certainly not. I'm I defy someone to tell me what we got out of this. Like what what why was this a story that had to be told? I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Why what was the point of this? Why did we interrupt what I believe was a phenomenal arc in in Batman to tell this story right here? What made this essential? I'm struggling with that. Fee Weaver follows up and says, "Well, that's just Joker talking shit." And let's 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 say that's true. Like like that. That's what this ultimately is. Is then the end goal of Joker not that he's better, but that he's trying to rattle Batman's core, like who he believes he is. Uh, as a uh, as a person, as somebody who's trying to do good in the world, and get him to feel like he's in his head. Yeah. 
but then he's not actually better. I mean, ver I I don't even care about the verbiage. I care about the the what's happening in the book. I mean, the Joker seems to have every um every advantage. The book tells us as a matter of fact that the Joker was able to do the 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 split personality thing better than Batman. That is what the book says, not Joker's mouth, the teacher himself. Hmm. That's a fact. And that's what Chip chose to go with. And I struggle with that. And I get that it's a convenient excuse to explain the three Jokers angle of things, you know, and get that out of the equation. But I didn't need this to be the answer to that. I would just as soon as just them to never acknowledge it. If this is what we were going to get. Uh, if anything, this has inspired uh, in me a want for Sor a Sorrentino horror Batman book because, uh, man, this continued to slap. And and in particular, the just the second page, there's uh, this three-panel sequence of Batman at the, in the center looking up at the stairs, a blank, uh, blank set of stairs, and then the Joker right there, just slightly off center, and kind of in this creepy, leaning over position, uh, following him. Uh, th that that hooked me immediately. Yo, this guy's going wild. If only they had a label that they can put a book like that out on. <laughs> Tyler, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would just as soon has have had skipped this whole arc. Yeah. <laughs> If you if you are questioning whether or not you should read this arc, I would say it's an easy pass. I personally didn't get anything out of this. I think I'm not saying that the like like we said earlier, the Jim Gordon stuff was great. There is good stuff here, but I don't think that this is essential. I think if you remove this from the equation, how the last arc ended and how the next one seems to be about to go, I feel like this is a stopgap and there's great things ahead and behind, but this is a pass. And even if the the rumor that this was supposed to be a thing to help them catch up, but DC wanted it done in three weeks, negates the catch up for them. So like it even loses its purpose outside of the text of the comic. Well, that's fucking DC for you. Yeah, that's true. But that is. I, I I'm saying pull on this in this arc. Uh, this felt like a of uh a filler arc for sure to borrow some anime terms but like a good one I, I don't think it led into anything but it was uh it was good filler uh hard disagree pass I, I don't get it i just don't get it i i've been sitting here racking my brain trying to figure out why the sound of bats can negate the joker poison trying to find even some thematic reason the writer in me is doing cartwheels trying to make this make sense and it makes supersonics clear a virus i don't get it i don't get it i'm sure there's something in there about you know they're the same they're two sides of a coin um when one goes the other will i don't know man 
let's keep going. <laughs> Sorry, enough. Chip, you couldn't get you couldn't get it this time. I wanted to hit on this comment we got a little while ago. It's unrelated, but um, it's from Seven SVN, who is a new name that I haven't seen. I always like to make sure we respond to those kind of comments. Um, so Seven says, "I'm a bit late to ask." But I'm kind of curious when you have the chance, what aspect of the lore slash world building of the new ultimate universe are you guys interested in learning more about? So first of all, I would say if you are curious about our thoughts about the ultimate universe, we have reviewed every issue of everything that's come out so far. So we do have that backlog for you to go through if you so choose, but we will still answer your question. Uh, my answer is that there's a lot of interesting top end stuff going on. I'm very curious about how the the overall arcing story is going to go. They set up a compelling idea. Maker and all of these other characters, the clones and everybody else are stuck in this, you know, this dome, right? And time outside the dome is progressing, time inside the dome is progressing. We have no idea what the hell is going to come out of that. Um and it seems like the story is going to be about the war about who will win the world before the dome opens. And that's compelling to me. And I think Ultimates is going to be the book to read for that. I like the uh, the faction-based nature of the world building. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of Lazarus. Check out our book club on Lazarus. Uh, great book, totally. great record. Um where like all these different factions, there's like there's like a, a Hulk fact, Hulk one that's run by the Hulk. There's you know Captain Britain who shows up in Ultimate Spider-Man. He has his own faction going on, and how there aren't really countries as we know them currently, which is such a big like a quite literal world building thing that we've just never gotten in in six one six Marvel. That that it's interesting, and also uh, the Peach Momoko X Men stuff is really exciting to me. Yeah, I was gonna leave with that. That's. The most exciting thing, I think, from a creator standpoint, um, and her bringing her sort of um, ideas to the table to introduce to the broader Ultimate Universe now is going to be really interesting to see how that plays with, um, from an aesthetic perspective, more um, Western comics. Um, so curious to see how that nets out. And the currently the play on Spider-Man, that's been cool to see how we get our knowledge used and sort of twisted slightly in fun ways and that's fleshing out the world in uh i think in an inventive way and in, and in, in, uh it's being done really well i think i need the ultimates i think for for lore and world world building everything still feels at least in the titles that we have, everything still feels too similar. Hmm. Uh, so I would I would like to get into the nitty gritty of that. Thanks for the question, and uh, hopefully you are subscribed. If you're not, everybody listening, hopefully you guys are subscribed. It helps us out a lot. We're on the road to 2,000 subscribers. We're trying to hit that in the first quarter of the year. So we've still got some time. Uh, help us out. Help us get there by subscribing. Let your friends know you enjoy the show, if that's true. Uh, and, of course, Super Chats are open if you guys are so inclined. Become a channel member if you are so inclined. We thank everybody who chooses to do those things. Let's talk about Wonder Woman number six, shall we? This was written 
by Tom King, with art by Daniel Semper. Uh, we have Tamu Murray on colors. I think I'm trying to find the. Uh, so. yeah. yeah, yeah. I should be able to do this book by by heart. Yeah, it's the same though. one. Six issues. And Clayton Cowles on the letters, right? So I pretty much had it. Um, this was my favorite issue of Wonder Woman yet. Except for the Sovereign. I was <laughs> As I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, this has the action and forward progression that Sean's wanted, but it's all narrated by the Sovereign. <laughs> I am to the point where I might drop this book because I can't deal with the Sovereign's narration anymore. I can't do it. It's brutal. I, I skipped a lot of it and I hate skipping dialogue. I feel like that's like almost a sin, but I, I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. This issue was hot, right? The artist fire Semper can draw wonder woman for the rest of his life. If he wants to grail looked amazing. I get giganta looked amazing. I mean, my God, this is just an amazing comic book from a visual standpoint. And I would give it to Tom King as well, because obviously a lot of the direction is on him. So these big moments are coming from his mind. A lot of them, I'm sure. The fight is fantastic. You know, Wonder Woman versus all these enemies of hers. I thought that was fucking cool. But every single time that I wanted to get lost in what was happening, I couldn't do that because the Sovereign would not shut the fuck up. And he's talking about things that we are seeing happen. And that is the cardinal sin of comics. We all know it. I don't care who it is. That You don't do it. It's every issue. It's every page. It's every page. Sean, did you read Super uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow at all? I got through like the first four issues or something. Okay. I got to go back. And it's, it's very similar to this in, in, in so much that there's a lot of narration where it almost feels like prose in a way accompanied by art. Um, so I think that's the technique he's using here as well. It, it's been his big thing is uh, just continued use of it, it's it's super verbose. Like that's been his whole thing for the past like two three series, and it's this. It has its moments because I think there are effective usage of narration here, but uh, to the earlier point when it's continuous. And it explains what's going on on the page. You're also doing a disservice to the art because I want to see the art. I, I, you're getting in the way of uh, larger pages. You're getting in the way of splashes. You're getting in the way of even uh, more cohesive panel transitions. Because there's definitely moments where I had to slow down a to read a caption in order to get to the next page because there's still continuity there. And I should be at some point uh, just flowing through panels because there are so many moments here where like the punches are happening, but I got to be reading a text box. The punch is happening. Got to be reading a text box like that. That hampered quite a bit. Could you would you consider that possibly a lettering issue with placement of boxes? No, it's a writing issue. Okay. I, I I think I think you you correct like a, a, a good letter, uh, a, a well lettered page. Um, you don't notice the lettering. You You absorb it completely. But when it becomes too much. And it affects your reading of or your transition between panels. I think that's when it becomes an issue because it slows the book down. Um, uh, 
Dan asked, did everything still make sense when you skipped it? Yes, because almost every single thing the Sovereign says is related to what we are looking at in the moment. It's it's just, you know, it's it's actually incredible. And I found myself thinking something that's kind of messed up. I found myself thinking, like, you know, why has no one reigned this in yet? Yeah. You know? I'm gonna I'm gonna read a passage and I want to say this. I love Tom King. I really do. I met him. He's a nice guy. I got to interview him. That was one of my favorite moments from that Comic Con. It was awesome. I'm not, I have nothing against Tom King, but I'm gonna read this right now. So here we go. This is from Wonder Woman battling with Giganta. In retrospect, our strength was our error. We had correctly estimated that a blow of this vastitude would render the woman unconscious and docile. However, as noted, to achieve such a fine and unexpected wallop, we were forced to deploy the swan as a decoy. Thus, when, when the surely fatal blow was delivered, your mother was not alone beneath the onslaught. No, the shattered bird was there as well. To save her foe, she defied all limits. Rather than being driven into the muck, she braced herself, her hands outstretched, her fingers driving into rock. The princess caught the Washington Monument. That is the curt explanation for how she survived. As for what occurred, as for what next occurred, how she pushed back, how she then threw the obelisk and felled our giant. All we can say all these years later is that she, she was Wonder Woman. And that was quite enough. That's what the Sovereign said. The Sovereign said she was Wonder Woman and that was quite enough. If that's enough, what are you doing? <laughs> right. It was enough. I hate that line because I'm Batman, because she's Wonder Woman. Well, I'm Kale Warden. I want to put a fucking stop to that. That's a shirt. As for what occurred next, how she threw the obelisk, we're watching those moments. I see them. I know it. It's cooler to look at than for you to say it. It's way cool. Everything that I just said hails in comparison to just looking at the comic book. And and you can be descriptive. I think you can have that sort of flowery language, but you have to cut down on panels. Like you have to get edited. That you could ask for what occurred next. She felled our giant. Done. That's all you really need to get to from one corner to the next corner if you really want to. And that incredible, it, Marco. Incredible. Like, uh, it just allows the transition to go through. And then you're still following that continuity of top corner to bottom corner. But why when we're watching the giant be fell? So I don't like I'm struggling with that. I'll, well, if you want I'll to butt into floweriness. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, go, go. I'll butt in because I, there's a narrative reason for the sovereign talking because he's still talking to Trinity this entire time. He's an unreli unreliable narrator who's talking to Trinity. Um, and... I think the way that I'm reading this is that we're, it's, it's whenever the Sovereign is having narration and what's happening on the pages, I have to always l have some kind of like a, a analysis on what the Sovereign's saying compared to what I'm seeing because it's not always going to be the same thing. Um, the Sovereign does ne never explains how he freaks out and breaks a wine glass in this. Everything he describes is flowery, almost like a, like a, like a children's tale. He's talking to a child. It's like a nursery rhyme almost. And it seems much more calm and collected than the actual carnage that's going out on, on screen um, or, or on, on the in the panel work. So I like that dichotomy between the two. Um, 
and you know like like when uh, a steel you know gets kidnapped by it looks like Donna Troy if I had to guess um, that's never brought up but we see that on page um, so it, it's the almost a uh, 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 precision that the sovereign chooses to omit certain things and I'm reading that and thinking about that as I'm reading his narration and I'm reading it in a way that he's trying to indoctrinate Trinity in a way as well so of so course what? he's going to speak speak nicely of Wonder Woman elaborate on that what you just said what is he indoctrinating her to well he has her captured at the at the first issue or I don't know if it was in the first issue or the the it was an issue or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah. that half point five, whatever the hell it was, the anniversary issue, um, where he has her captured and he's pretty much explaining to her the way of the world. Um, we still don't know what Trinity's status is at that time because we do see her in the backup that she's a kid, like a, like a young child, but in the in the anniversary issue, she seemed a little older. Um, so I'm I'm viewing this as Trinity is the real end game, and this is just him talking about Wonder Woman and trying to paint a picture for who he wants Trinity to view her mother as. Okay. So of course it's going to be flowery. Of course he'll, he'll say she won at certain points because that is a positive view on it. That of course a kid, if you say she's a horrible person right away, the kid's going to write that off. Defiantly. I think, I think that's all well and good, but... It is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. This book, the text of this book doesn't need to be Moby Dick for me to get that. It doesn't breathe. It's nonstop chatter. Like, I just can't. I I mean, look, if it, if it works for you, that's great. But to me, this is, this is indefensible. Like, I really want to get lost in Grail fighting Wonder Woman. That's cool as hell. The setup was... was Awesome, that, but it's like I just can't stop seeing sovereign dialogue. God, that half-page split where it's you know Wonder Woman just did just got destroyed by the Washington Monument and then threw it, and then she looks up and then Grail is there, and like I know Grail hasn't been in much, but this book actually has done a decent job to show that she means business because like I don't even think I read that Grail story. Sorry, sorry Jeff, but uh, <laughs> I didn't read Dark Side War. Um, so I thought I thought the book did a real good job of that, and then like seeing her beat up already. Um, so I think the art is phenomenal. I agree, Sean. And I think it's funny how whenever this is just how it is. Whenever Grail and Wonder Woman see each other, it's on sight. Like it is on sight. It's it's, it's uh, Peter Griffin and the chicken. I just I love I love that that's their that that's their dynamic. Um, and Manny makes a good point. Why isn't Trinity talking? She's just sitting there listening to this shit. I put my headphones in. I can't stand the sob. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been six issues of this. Like, Trinity's yeah. got to get tired of this at some point. This this device that Hickman, or I'm sorry, that King used has, for me, worn out its welcome. This is the first arc, and this is the close of it. I'd be totally happy for that to go away. I'm pretty sure it won't. Um, I know that King comes from novels, and that's where his base is, so I totally get that. But, um, you know, far be it for me to tell King how to do his job, but I feel like this is overkill. Uh, I don't mind. He's been doing this long enough now. 
Like he's won several awards. Like he knows better or he well, should know better. The one he won a lot of awards for was the one where he did this. So right, right. A validation oh. there. And I feel like I want to go back to that one though. Like, like give it a proper try. Oh, it's phenomenal, dude. But again, I can again, this might just be where one of those things where like, this needs to be your thing as a reader. Sure. Like I'm sure, eating yeah. this shit up. Hmm. There. This is like Ethiopian food for me. I'm getting my fingers in. It's getting messy. I'm just, just I'm hungry, guys. Um. I, I'm out. I just, I read this and it was more of the last issue. It was more of the issue before that. It's this, just, and and I understand. I understand. It's cool to see heroes fight supervillains. I'm with that. But again, this is just stuff being thrown at Wonder Woman and her coming out on top. Because she's Wonder Woman. Because she, because she's Wonder Woman. And that's enough. And that is enough. And hey, Tom King, I gotta tell you, that's enough. I, I, I came out of this going, oh, okay, well, I just read the next step of the last issue. What are we, what am I doing here? Was this pick of the week for you, Tyler? This was my pick of the week, yeah. yeah. Actually, I think the last three issues have been my picks of the week when they've been out. I'm really enjoying this, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think it might have been. Mm. Um, It sucks because the actual happening in the issue, the things that occur, I really, really, really liked. But I don't think that I can look past the the sovereign stuff anymore um you know and i'm happy that for some people this is like that wonder woman run but for me i'm very very much looking forward to this being over so you know we'll see um also i'm looking through that through that issue of wonder woman 800 right now and uh is she, she captured? Yeah, she just walks up to him. She's yeah. just there. She yeah, so captured. yeah, we don't know the actual context of her being there. We just know he's talking to her. But isn't there a scene where like she's in a jail cell or something? I have I it open right yeah. now. I could have sworn um, I remembered a jail cell scene too, but yeah, there is a jail cell scene. But I think he's in jail. I'm reading it now. Oh, so it's like yeah. a Hannibal Lecter situation then, trying yeah. to control from the jail. Okay, it's, I think it still stands, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in the chat, TK going for the 5,000 word per page competition, but his rival is Cy Spurrier. <laughs> Yo, how you do my man Spurrier like that? Dan says, Spurrier and King should write a book together. The art will only be visible in gaps between captions. <laughs> this is prose. Man, I'm I'm liking that flash run, too. <laughs> Yo, it's good. It's weird. That's what I will Stop. give it. It's good. Yeah, this I, is literally this is literally the sovereign. He says, "This is the story of how she defeated me," because Trinity asks him to tell the story because Wonder Woman won't tell her. At some point, I'm pulling my phone out. I'm throwing my headphones on. I'm hitting up. I'm hitting up Batman. I'm hitting up. I'm hit. I'm. I can't. You watch. Watch a Family Guy on your phone. This book boring as hell. <laughs> I just like. When are we going to get to the mystery at hand? Never. All right. 
if we if we continue to review the series, that'll probably be up to y'all. Um, but uh, I'm gonna pull just because I really, really, really enjoyed the 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 fights, the art, the fights, all that stuff was great. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens going forward. Pull. Pass. Pass on this whole thing. Oof. Let's uh let's get into the six fingers written by Dan Waters with art by Sumit Kumar, Lee Lowridge on colors, Aditya Bidikar on letters, Tom Muller on the designs of this. Good I know to see too, yeah. Got it, got a good get after this X-Men stuff. And so this is this is tied into the one hand book um that Rom V did. Uh we read that, what was that, last week, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Yeah. So um, this is directly connected to that. And this book made me feel the way that I wanted that one to make me feel. I really, really, really like this. This was my pick of the week. Oh. Yeah. This did that world building that I think we were asking for. Yes. Yeah. I think narratively the, 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 the one hand had to be done first to set up the murder mystery of it all. I think this does a better job of establishing the world. And maybe, you know, maybe Waters has the advantage in the sense that he does get to come in, you know, um, and do those things. Maybe Rom had to do some heavier work. But I felt like the character work here, like I really got connected um, to this main character and his story. Um, And I found myself not always not always sure what I was looking at. And not always sure what was going to happen or where things w- were going to go, but always compelled. Like the very first page, right? I sh- I'm showing it right now on the screen. To me, this looks like a sex scene. Yeah. I I thought that was sex happening. And it's definitely not. <laughs> um, and that was one of the one of a few times where I found my expectations being slightly subverted. Um and we do get to see more of the world through this main character's eyes. Um, and I feel like we get to see him take so many actions and make so many decisions in just this one issue that give us a pretty good idea of what kind of man he is. Um, and it also establishes a mystery about this guy that is actually compelling and leads me to want to see where this is going. And also the mystery that connects the two. Like, who's going to solve it first? Because they're kind of solving the same mystery. Um, yeah. One deals with memory loss, and one is more of a procedural crime story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I actually had the opposite feeling as you. I felt like we got too much out of this one um, in reference to who this guy is, how he's connected to uh, the one hand, um, which, you know, is the point of the book, I guess. But, um, I don't know. I just, I just found, I found this to be a little too indulgent when compared to the, the one hand. Indulgent. That's interesting. Um... Uh, well, indulgent, indulgent in, it's giving me too much. Which world? For me. 
because I'm more invested in the one hand and the mystery that's set up there. You know, what's this crime? Who's doing it? What's the deal with the six fingers? Well, all my questions were answered. Were they? I, I mean, enough. I, I do, admittedly, I do want to give this another read. Um, but I, I still liked the first one better, mm. the other one better. I think this one gives a bit more character weight. The The detective in the first one is kind of like hard to attach to. This kid, you know, I, I could I could feel for him. He's uh, selfish, um, but I think that drives the... I think that, that drives the story along, like, because he's so wrapped up in himself that he's trying to now get to the bottom of his own mystery. Um, uh but otherwise, um, I don't remember how I felt about the, the the one hand, but this one I thought was an interesting enough ending that I'd probably come back, but I'm not so excited about it. Um, I like this only <laughs> mainly for Sumit Kumar. I think Sumit Kumar is an insane mm-hmm. artist. Um, his stuff on these savage shores with Ron V is a great book. Um, he also did a, a man bat mini series, which I, I don't know if anyone read it, but it was, it was really good. Um, so like that alone on our Ron V adjacent book, I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, and I like the world building this a lot. The idea that there are these synthetic, almost robot bodies with human souls in them is really interesting, especially when you're dealing with, um, a serial killer. Because, like, are you killing someone at that point? You know, you can, you can have that kind of discussion. Because um, if they're just synthetic, is it, a, is, is, a, is it a person at that point? So the idea of what is a person can be brought up, which we, we got a little bit of that in the one hand with the, the, the sex worker that was also a robot. Um, I, think it's, I think it's interesting. I, I'm, and, I, and I really like how each of these issues ends with a preview of the, the – alternate issues next issue the alternate books next issue i think that's a real good way of getting you hooked to keep reading both of these side by side um even though the stories are different and i even like almost like the seven-esque little bump that the character the main detective from the one hand bumps into our lead character here in one panel um which was like all right that's like kevin spacey's total creep but that character in seven, I thought that was a good bit. I, I'm I'm having a lot of fun with this. This was almost my pick of the week as well, but Wonder Woman kind of just beat it out. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, this made me care about where the mystery is going. Um, and now I have an investment in someone in this world. Mm. And that's important for me to be able to continue on. If if the detective guy is the actual like overall protagonist, that's cool. But as it stands right now, I'm more curious about what's going on with Johans, the main character of this book. Um, but I like the fact that these books are interconnected. And it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. You don't see too many things like that um, in the indie space. So it's a, f- a fun gimmick. Fun gimmick, yeah. and and this book posited some ideas that I'm very curious to see fleshed out further. So, I'm I'm hooked. I'm in. Yeah, all in. 
Hey, this was four dollars. That's pretty good. Three ninety nine. Love to see Ooh, it. Love that. Wasn't nice. six. Missed missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Vengeance said maybe Trinity is using her last one, forcing Sovereign to talk. She didn't even have to. If you go back right. to eight hundred, she he's ready to talk. Obviously, he's freaking ready to talk. My man can't shut up. He loves talking. It's a favorite thing to do is talk. It's it's a podcast. <laughs> she actually used the other lasso to try to get him to, to, to stop, and this is still him talking. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah it does exactly. <laughs> she have a mute lasso out of those three? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, So we're going to interview Sal this Saturday, which means that, you know, we're not doing a full show. We're not going to do, like, all the news and everything that's been going on. Uh, but this has been a pretty crazy week like a whole bunch of stuff has happened this week it's happened while we've been on this podcast essentially <laughs> a lot of dc news happened or at least right before we we went live right yeah yeah we got the news of we got the news uh, first of all of dc's next event absolute power which mm. seems pretty sick i'm actually excited for that on some whoa level. there's hey. sal in the chat now oh snap hey. you gotta be kidding me thank you hey sal welcome thank you for Wait. watching can't wait for our for our chat this Saturday. Sean, you 10, see 15 a.m. Eastern, by the way. You see the creative team on that uh, absolute power? Yeah, Mark Wade and is it it's Marquez, right? No, it's Dan Mora. No, it's Mora. Mora, excuse it's, me. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's the world's finest team, which is like, is DC listening to fans that are talking <laughs> about how world's finest is their best book? And they're like, you know what? Let's lean into that. Let's do it. Whew. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't been caught up on World's Finest, I will admit, but that should not surprise anybody. But um, I, I've enjoyed every issue that I've read, and I do want to dive further into it because this event actually looks exciting. Finally, we're getting some forward momentum in the DC Universe, where now it seems like we're getting the event we sort of knew we were getting, where the triumvirate of the new Brainiac, Amanda Waller, and uh, Zoran R., are going to run stuff. And, you know, presumably, I would imagine this will require a Justice League to stop. No? We got the Titans. What do you mean? <laughs> they, they just did an event, Sean. I don't know. What, why would we need the Titans? I'm confused. I think everyone's forgetting about the actual real preeminent team in DC Comics, and that's the Terrifics. Everyone knows that. That's the best team that DC has. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Just like Cry for Justice is DC's best event ever. It's not. It's not that bad. Oh, it ain't good. Wait, do we wait? Do we do like a, a DC event month for the book club? It's gonna be infinite uh, identity and Cry for Justice on there. Well, Identity Crisis, I would absolutely love to read, but we already at least we got freaking uh, we got Invasion out of the equation, so I'm grateful for that. We don't have to do that book club again. <laughs> I'm never talking about that comic book again. Those teeth, the Dominator teeth, not into it. No. Thanks, Sal. Pre really appreciate it. Really appreciate you. He said, uh, keep up the good work, pals. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. And then I saw that it was initially announced as a four-issue event with a couple of tie-ins. And then it went from like six issues to 25 or something like that. You the old blood that, yeah. yeah, this is unfolding right now. Like Comic Pro is happening right now. Um, and we're learning these things. So, you know, hopefully it's not blood hunt level. I hope it doesn't balloon to 
59 or 69 or however many issues Blood Hunt has become. They're hunting my blood. I'm going to have to sell blood to buy all these comic books. <laughs> Are you any excited for Blood Hunt? No. Me neither, man. And I was interested in the whole vampire aspect of the of the Marvel Universe, but like nothing. I mean, I guess the, the benefit is that I can get a, I can get surprised nicely, potentially. I'm excited for that red band issue, bro. I can't Ooh, wait. I can't wait to double dip. Vision that's shows his ports off in that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is uh Blood Hunt is being done by uh that's LaRaz is doing the art on that, yeah? Uh, I believe yeah. Pepper so. It's, yeah, it's, and Jed McKay. Pepper LaRaz right and Marta Gracia teaming up. So from an art standpoint, that is, I'm there. I am there. I don't care how many issues it is. If those two are teaming up for the main story, I am there for that. Game, you won't be able to understand any of it because of the 89 tie-in issues. Uh, but... And Jed McKay is going to be doing the writing on that. So, you know. I mean, that's sort of more of his Moon Knight thing, which we, we've liked. So, yeah. Yeah. But which actually reminds me, I had a question that I wanted to ask. I totally forgot about it. Um, is anyone, is anyone, chat or you guys, reading Avengers still? And if you are, is it better? You're still reading it. I am. It's It's the same. Okay. okay. It's it's I like it, but it's I don't think it's nothing's gonna be lighting your your socks off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Damn. And I I wanted it. I was like, should I jump back in? Like maybe I was too harsh, but uh. do it, do it. I have a question though, Sean. Yeah. You're not reading it, right? Right. You still buying it? You know what, Tyler? Madness <laughs> question. That is that is an absolutely phenomenal question, and I'm gonna tell you something. This is totally true. From the year probably 2004 or 5 to last year, I own every single issue of Avengers. Whatever the main Avengers title was, I have every single issue. Until now. So you have all of Jason Aaron's run. I have every 50 single plus issue. issues. Which you didn't read, right? No. I did not read. I read you missed out on Vampire Gorilla Man? Come on. Damn. Uh, what? Cosmic Kazar in that book. Uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers gets a little wild. Um, wow. And this is the straw that broke her back. Interesting. Yeah. But, well, a lot of that has to do with my new initiative, right? Which we're sure. going to get into my stack here in a moment. But yeah. a lot of it has to do with the fact that if I'm just not enjoying something, I shouldn't buy it. And I wasn't enjoying Aaron's Avengers, but I kept buying it because that's just what my I'm programmed to do as a Marvel and DC drone. Your new since you named it, you said initiative, Sean. I think your new motto should be drawing the line at no more than nine in terms of how many books you get every week. <laughs> I can't do that shit. We re- we review five here. But I, nine's I, I, I the only thing that rhymes with line, so you kind of have to. I can't. I can't. No way. But speaking of my stack, my weekly purchases, let's get into the stack. This is where uh, everybody places their bets about just how many books I purchased this week. And uh, if you're right, you get a no prize. Um, And this segment helps. This is my therapy. This helps me do better 
about purchasing <laughs> comics that I'm not reading or interested in. It's publicly shaming, which at this point feels like a kink, but let's get into it. Trust me, that is not, that is not a kink of mine. No, I'm, I'm not going to kink for, shame it. It's totally fine, Sean, if it is. Tune in for palling around for those details. Be getting those details there. Uh, <laughs> not from me, at least. So Rami starts us off with 17, Dan at 14. We have six already. They have 13. It's a pretty hot week. Yeah. Robot say, is with 13. But I'll say 15. I like 15. I'm going to okay. go with 14. Dan as well going with 14. That's a good number. Mm. Whoa, Marowak. Whoa. This is a strong week. 18. Damn. No faith in you. <laughs> <laughs> so is that so that's the idea more if I buy more books then that's me doing worse. Yeah. You failed. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so is there an appropriate over under? Like, I feel like, like, so is Tyler right? Should I be buying nine or less books in a week? I think if you actually, if you actually cared about your initiative here, yeah, that's what it would be. Oh shit! Well, I guess I don't care. Well, uh, <laughs> promiscuous time traveler says thirteen. It hurts my spleen, but I say thirteen. Oh, save the spleen, cut it at 13. There you go. All right. So you guys, oh, Philosopher King says 12. So what's the lowest? The lowest is 12, 12 I think. 12, yeah. I think, All right. yeah. So the six we did for the show, right? God's number five, of course. It's eight issues now. We know for sure. So I'll certainly mm. be sticking through the whole way. Not that that was ever in jeopardy. Uh. Green Lantern War Journal number six. Very excited about that. It's been great. That's eight. X Force number 49. Amazing Ooh. cover on that one. Yeah. I love this cover. This dude got Beast and Wonder yeah. Man on it. It's a homage to a classic cover. Good stuff. And X Force is going out on a high note. And I think uh, it's one of the few X books that is doing that, at least to me. To be fair, it's uh, the same creative team. So. Benefit of that. Cobra Commander number two. Like the first one quite a bit. Looking forward to that. The Holy Roller number four. Jesus. Come on. <laughs> it's a remender you don't image book. You're, you're messing us around. You don't care about this at all. <laughs> Yo. Dude, it's Rick Remender. What do you want? No, it's not. It's Andy Samberg. And Rick Remender. No, it's a guy from His name's on the title. <laughs> Literally on the cover. Yes, I, it's a must buy. Did, he write, did uh, Andy write any Hollywood facts on the back of that book? <laughs> Pick up. Pick up your jacks. It's Hollywood facts. <laughs> Bro. World's Finest. The aforementioned World's Finest, number 24. This is still in the Kingdom Come arc. I read the first issue of the arc. And... Uh, and uh, I don't even know what is. Oh, this is part five. Okay, so I'm four behind on that. There you go. And bought the rest. Yeah. I hope I did. I actually don't even know <laughs> if I did. <laughs> I hope I did. Uh, Animal Pound, number two. I talked about Tom King's wordiness. Oh, yeah, For yeah, some yeah. reason, it felt more appropriate in the first issue of Animal Pound. But, of course, mm. if you know that this is Animal Farm with dogs and cats. Oh, that's right. Makes more sense. You going to Pound Town later to read that? Oh, yeah. 
can't wait. And uh, Zorro. Zorro. The Man of the Dead, number two. What's the publisher on that? Massive. Massive. Yeah. What not? Massive. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting the name of that place. That's it. 14. 14. 14. Tyler Wright. Who else was right? Dan was right. Dan, yep. 13. Yeah, I, there were more books I could have bought. There really were. How do we throw and, this and yet on you like... bought Holy Roller. <laughs> how do we throw this on like sportsbetting.com? How do we make actual money off of this? <laughs> I know, right? Look, I would love to figure out a way to put some money in people's pockets through my through my uh, purchasing habits. Of course, though, I would not. I would not take any side money to rig the amount of books that I buy. Yeah, and if we start seeing the number go up, then we know where that money's going. <laughs> but look, look, I skipped. You got you to gotta give me a little bit of credit, okay? Because I didn't buy Titans. Titans Ooh. came out. I didn't buy it. I'm off that. Surprising. Oh, shit. I didn't buy. Oh, that was Guardians Annual. Yeah, screw that. You didn't buy Spawn 350? <gasps> oh, damn. Nah, so, I've been down on Spawn. I, 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 yeah, uh, Mc, McFarlane is is uh, uh revealing an action figure of himself tomorrow, so I'm pretty excited for that. Are you serious? Yeah, I'll just, I'll stick around for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah! I just got the Captain Carrot. Them. Like the McFarlane action figures are, I've gotten pretty good. So I might need that. He's got a baseball cap and everything. So it's only a yeah, silhouette. It's very it's very Bendis era Avengers the way they teased it, but uh. It's clearly him. So, John, Hell no, yeah. no spawn three fifty. The big, the big marker issue. Fucked up. Hey, dog. You haven't been listening in the past two minutes. There's a Was distinct. It... So, so, Sean, there's a book I know you've picked up the first issue of. You didn't pick up the second issue. Uh huh. Hellblazer. Oh, I got that one. Oh, I, I would. I huh. no, 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 no. It's also saying something that you're not picking up the century. Nah, dude. I to me that issue yeah. one was not it. I just no, no. Can't. I'm with you. Yeah, I just could not bring myself to buy that. Who's on? Who's on that? Century. Oh, yeah. newer creators, or at least new to me, names that I was not. Jason oh, Liu okay. writing it with uh, David Cutler on art. Yeah. Okay, I think I've heard those names before, but yeah, it's not. Yeah. So. And I look, I even skipped Luke Cage Gang War. You want to call me an asshole for that? I'm sorry. I'm all about, you know, Luke Cage is the man and everything else. But mm, I had to I get just, Holy Roller. I, <laughs> no, I stopped. I I stopped. I don't even think I bought the second issue of Luke Cage. Oh. I couldn't. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I'm pretty sure we saw it on the show. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. I wanted to, but I just couldn't. I couldn't. And Marowak Girl says nor Nightwing. I don't buy Nightwing. I I tried. I think I tried like one issue and I knew. Oh, it's not for me. I'm That's good. Wild. I'm trying to find my way into Tom Taylor, and I don't think I found it. Not at DC. It's, the Marvel it's the out of continuity stuff. That's where it is, Kel. Dark Knights of Steel. Yeah. His X-Men Red and his X-23 were both very good. I believe mm. it was called Wolverine at the time. But... It was Wolverine. It's all all new Wolverine. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Very and, good. And um he also did oh what did he do at Marvel that was really good? Dark Ages. It was pretty good. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, was that? 
Yeah, that was him. It was out of continuity sort of story as well. Like a no. No, like but a, did you finish reading that one? I, I finished, yeah, I it was good. It, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think when we got the second issue, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I read the first one and I was I I had enough. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I just can't get into Tom Taylor for whatever reason, but I know that he is a darling. People love mm-hmm. his work, so that's cool. But just I haven't outside of Marvel, I haven't been able to get it. I haven't been able to get into it. All right. The next time that we will be live with you is this Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. And we will have a very special guest. We said it earlier. Sal from Comic Pop will be joining us. Super excited for that conversation. Uh, You like Sal? Surely you are a fan of Comic Pop. Most of you that listen to us are a fan of his stuff. So it's a perfect marriage. Come hang out with us live and listen to the conversation I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And you have a chance at the Triple G, the Gavin Gidry giveaway. We are going to be giving away, he's going to be giving away a piece of sketch art. Um, and we will get you with him to figure all that out as after we determine a winner. And it's real simple. All you have to do is show up. It'll look like it'll look very similar to what Tyler is holding right now. He's got an original piece of Gavin's art. That's Wildcat, right? Yeah, mascot of the show. <laughs> Right, he says, like he hasn't been, been staring at it for months. The 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 mascot of the show is actually director director Bones, Bones. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah who yeah. is merged into Wildcat and it's sort of a transmogrification sort of thing. It's yeah. director Wildcat Bones. I don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah, we gotta refresh those pictures. Whoever those wins the giveaway should ask for director Bones. <laughs> Which honestly might be the easiest thing for 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 Gavin because it's just That's a skeleton, cool. really. But dude, if I was el- oh, what I don't even want to think about what I would ask for if I was eligible. Check his shop, dude. He's, he's got him up. He's got some good shit up there. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, and check out Superman seventy eight also by Gavin doing the art there. It's real good. Um, so we'll be back with you Saturday. Sal giveaway. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Patrons, we'll see you guys on Sunday. On the Discord server, we're going to just have a hangout, chat about our favorite books that are out right now. Maybe we'll play a game if you guys are so inclined. It's going to be a good time. And then Tuesday, right here, Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, we are doing our book club. The Superman Month book club poll winner was Man of Steel by John Byrne. So we're going to be live dissecting that, talking about that. And I don't believe any of us have read that, right? Not I. So it'll be our fresh takes. That's the very first time to my recollection that that has ever been the case on the book club. Look at that. So the new the new format already working out. I'm just going to imagine we start the show and then Marco is like, oh, you, I thought we were supposed to read the Scott Snyder one. <laughs> are, we, are we not? Is that not? I, I started. Oh, no, that was Bendis actually. Bendis did Man of Steel. That's what it was. Snyder did un- Uncaged. Right. Yeah, yeah. Unchained? Unchained. Untamed, yeah. yeah. Uncaged is a good friend of the show. <laughs> and, yeah, yes, exactly. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching. We will see you Saturday. Until then, take care, and uh, we'll see you then. Take care, guys. See you next week. <laughs>